This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. If you are listening for the first time, thank you for joining us in our own little corner of the podcast world. Weatherworks is a private forecasting company located in Hackettstown, New Jersey, but our services stretch across the United States. I am meteorologist Brad Miller, and joining me once again is my co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. And Mike, we have another fun yet interesting podcast episode here in the Weather Lounge this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited about this one because before becoming a meteorologist, I was actually in the landscape industry. Um, and I work snow removal, snow plowing, and things like that, too. Um, so we're bringing on uh, John Crandall. Uh, he's from JC Grounds Management up in uh, Massachusetts and into parts of southern New Hampshire he does work for. And he's the uh, owner and chief visionary of JC Grounds ma- uh, Management. And and also now our our second guest here on That's correct. Lounge, in the Weather yeah. Lounge. But you know, you know, we had Frank on a few weeks ago and uh, our own CEO and president of Weatherworks. But, uh, you know, uh, John, we've had a history with and uh, he's been with Weatherworks for several years as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing the other side now of, uh, you know, what we service and we get our forecast to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. every day and especially during the winter. Yeah, it will certainly be interesting how he, you know, takes our forecasts, how he utilizes them, and, um, you know, what type of strategies he develops uh, using that information um, going into big storms. Um, You know, so I think it's really going to be interesting. I think it'll be really valuable, uh, not only for uh, us, but also for um, people also in the snow and ice industry um, as we head into winter here. you know, I think this is going to be a really valuable podcast, um, and and I think it'll be fun too. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, learn a lot ourselves, and uh, I'm sure a lot of folks out there listening, and like you said, Mike, uh, other uh, snow removal businesses, and uh, even uh, summertime landscaping businesses, and other folks that are clients of Weatherworks, you know, are going to uh, I think uh, not only again find this very informative, but maybe even helpful down the road, and uh, you know, something mm-hmm. that we can. Uh, Definitely, uh, you know, use as we continue on yeah. through this uh, upcoming winter of uh, 20, 2021, which is, uh, you know, again, going to be a tough one here with the uh, ongoing pandemic. But we'll uh, we'll all try to work together and make it work. Well, and that's something else we'll talk about, too, is if there's any uh, changes that he's making this year as opposed to previous years right. based on that, um, you know, the, the coronavirus situation. But, you know, I think... Um, I think now let's just take a quick break, Brad, Um, you know, and then after the break, we'll bring on John Crandall. Have you ever wanted to know exactly how much snow or ice fell in your backyard or how much snow you just plowed from that two acre parking lot? How about getting documentation that explains why you applied several applications of salt to a busy apartment complex? When it comes to snow and ice verification, it can be a headache trying to find accurate totals for the busy winter season. Certified Snowfall Totals from Weatherworks provides a stress-free way to get reliable information for the exact location you need. It's your complete winter weather verification platform. For more information or to try a demo, Hi everybody and welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm meteorologist Mike Mahalik here at Weatherworks along with Brad Miller. Brad, uh, 
We're about to have our second guest for the Weather Lounge podcast, and it's uh, John Crandall from uh, JC Grounds Management. Yes, yes looking so, forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So without wasting any more time listening to us two talk, let's uh, bring in uh, John Crandall. Uh, John, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, very, very excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for inviting me uh, on onto the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're really happy to have you on as another guest. And, you know, it'd be great um, to get your take on things, not just, you know, from the weather aspect that we deal with, um, but uh, on the other side of things with the, the snow and ice removal and, and into winter here. Um, so, you know, John, let's just start things out with um, give us a little roundabout about your uh, company. Like, when did you get started? You know, how did you get started? And, and you know, give us a little rundown on that. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, one of the, I, I do hear this story uh, quite a bit from people in, in our industry, in the landscape and snow industry. Um, but more or less, I, I, uh, I, you know, was cutting lawns here and there. I think it, my, my first uh, paid job was my grandmother, you know, <laughs> had to give me $20 to cut her grass. So I'd cut her lawn and I always try not to take the money and she'd force it on me. But uh, but I did that for a while, and then I, I obviously, you know, I kind of got the idea of, geez, I can charge other people for this, and started started cutting lawns. And um, when I hit 16, I uh, as soon as I could get my license, I did. And once I had that, I I had that freedom to be able to run around and put mm -hmm. a trailer on the back of a little blazer I had, and, and <laughs> made a few bucks, you know, and started the business. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's funny you have that story about cutting. Uh, lawns for your grandmother because I actually did the same exact thing um, when my grandmother was getting older she was like you know I can't do anything with this grass anymore so then when I was old enough probably about you know 13 or 14 she said I'll give you you know 20 bucks to cut this grass every week mm -hmm. and um, I was like yeah sure and uh, you know and then again it went from there where I got I actually went <clears throat> probably about 16 years old, maybe 15 or 16, I started working with a landscaping company uh, where I lived. And I worked there for a long time, you know, probably all through college days and even out of college for a little bit. Um, so I kind of, I kind of see where you're coming from when you had the uh, startup story there. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I hear that. I hear that a lot. And it's something I think about now with, um, you know, now I've got two, I've got two uh, five-year-old twin girls and I've got mm, a, wow. a little, little boy wow. we just had about eight months ago and trying to think of how we're going to instill those same uh you know values and ethics into those into the kids when they as they grow you know yeah you so, know yeah. uh john I was, I was thinking along the same lines as uh you and mike you know when you were younger and you know i did the same thing i grew up in new jersey and uh, same thing mowing lawns you know shoveling driveways and you know the one thing you learn as you're younger and growing up is people will pay for convenience and that's basically what it is and you want to put in the hard work and do it, you know, um, time saving for folks, uh, you know, that have to get the snow out of the driveway and just make their lives easier, you know, and that, that turns into a huge business. And, you know, and, uh, you know, when you start talking about, you know, several driveways on a, after a snowstorm or, you know, running around the neighborhood and mowing, you know, five, six, seven lawns, you know, it adds up quick. And that's kind of what you learn. Uh, and, you know, it just continues on. And, and I think even to this day, you know, a lot of folks will rather pay for the convenience of having something done. And that's where the service industry, you know, basically is, is, is booming these days. I think even in this uh, COVID era and pandemic era. 
Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's interesting uh, for sure. I you know, and in, in you know, going back real quick to the to the kids, you know, my wife and I have been at our house now for the current house we're living in for a little over ten years, and we were talking about how uh, when at least when my brother and I were growing up, we would run around house to house and mm-hmm. ring the bell and and you know ask to shovel people's driveways and make twenty bucks or thirty bucks. <laughs> And we've never had anyone ring our bell in 10 years. And I was a little concerned about that. But um, um, interestingly enough, just last week, my my operations manager here, uh, Brad Chase, he, he had mentioned that his son is um, starting up his own thing. And he's he's in that, you know, in that young age. Um, and I was very excited to hear that. I was like, good. You know, we've got yeah. it's still going on. The same thing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, good to hear. I, I'm glad because, I, yeah, I haven't heard much of that either. I don't remember no. getting my house. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you say <laughs> Damn Brad, social uh, media these days and these kids. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> hey, I got a kid. You know, I got a couple of boys, too. And, and it's just it's so hard just to peel them off the Xbox and come on, go do yeah. something and go play soccer. It's like, you know, when I was growing up at their age and I'm um, aging myself a bit here, but, you know, I never sat inside on a beautiful day and I would go out and find my friends and play and you know some kind yeah. of sport but it's just it's different today it really is and it's tough to get them motivated so it's good to hear that there are some you know kids out there willing to do some shoveling and some mowing yeah and uh you know the funny thing is Brad you talked about earlier about how people like the service and convenience aspect mm-hmm. which they do but for me having been in the lawn care landscaping industry I don't want anybody touching my lawn. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged I, sword, right? It's, it's a double-edged I, sword, I'm sure. And I'm sure John knows yeah. that. You know, some people are like, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, since I have the experience in there, I'm making those lines perfect. I'm crossing mm-hmm. them up. I'm making nice diamonds. Like a fairway, uh, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm I, my weed whacking is perfect <clears> on the edges. And uh, even when it comes to the snow, too, I clear off the thing and I make sure it's a perfect, you know, uh, edge on everything on the driveway and everything's clear back enough. So but, John, enough about uh, (laughs) uh, about myself. Um, So I see that at uh, JC uh, Grounds Management, you are the chief visionary also. So, uh, you know, I haven't heard that much. So talk a little bit about that. What is the chief visionary actually? What's the position do? Sure. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, I know it's a little inordinary of a title. And um, what it really where it came from was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that I, I love to read about business and I, I love uh, taking, you know, uh, business courses and, and, um, and you know, kind of like that lifelong learning thing. I, I enjoyed it. So, learning around something that um that i'm passionate about in business for sure i'm passionate about mm-hmm. in any event uh, there's a few books that mention the visionary um it's becoming more uh it's more common now than than it was when i first put it on my my uh, title probably about seven eight years ago mm-hmm. but um more or less what it is is the idea is most entrepreneurs that start businesses the majority of them are in that visionary um role in what that role really is is it's it's somebody that and there's a lot more to it than this but it's somebody that usually comes up with the ideas and um and also like in you know what i found here even more so every year it, it, it's more i'm moving more into that role but mm-hmm. if you think about like the person that's running the business or the person that's a, that's um leading the business in the direction it's going and, and thinking not just three months or six months or one year out, but they're thinking what's coming up in the next three years, the next six years, 
and what are the big game changing or you know what are the big uh, changes that they have to make that's typically what the visionary role is um, there's obviously a lot more to be done in that role but that's you know the overall it's kind of like the quick summary of it and then um, usually they have a counterpart depending on mm -hmm. how big the business is when the business is smaller they're probably wearing both hats um, and the other right. hat is the what they would call the integrator um, more commonly known today you know can in traditional words they call that the COO or the uh, operate you know that that would be the title would be COO chief operating mm -hmm. officer as opposed to integrator but um, integrator and visionary were roles that were talked about in a book called traction um, and I, I won't get too on that but uh, if you're if you're a smaller business you're probably wearing the CEO is wearing both of those hats they're coming up with the long-term plan they're coming up with the big ideas and then they're you know they're also coming up with they're also executing a lot of that stuff uh, but usually they're really strong in one or the other they're not very good at the execution part and the follow-through um you know or they're not good in the visionary or i should say they are very good in the visionary or very good in the execution sure. fall. so as a business grows and you you know um, we're able to add more people onto the bus you know and add more people onto the team uh, ideally, you can find somebody that's amazing at the integration, and you can find somebody that's amazing at the the visionary side, the idea side. And um, fortunately, you know, here now we're we have that. We have you know we have got um, some amazing people that operate in the integration side. There's one uh, one person, Brian Ferry, is our integrator here, and then there's um, the whole operations team, and Brad Chase runs um, you know runs that team that uh, help execute all those you know plans and ideas so that's that's kind of the high level view uh, you know does that make sense yeah no absolutely yeah and i mean i think i could draw a, a, a parallel too you know with weatherworks in a sense because you know we have our our president and ceo frank lombardo um and he's started the business from scratch he has a lot of great ideas um which then get passed down to the other members of our team and you know we have guys that's been here a long time like sean Rowland, and he's our uh, vice president of operations and he makes sure you know everything's scheduled out perfectly and, and forecasts are going to go out on time and and that uh, we're covered properly you know through a snowstorm or, or through any day for that matter um so yeah it's not it's not frank making those decisions anymore um but it's more of these you know these guys that sean is very detail oriented in scheduling and right. in operations so that's his strong suit so it's good that you find people like that to really advance the business along the way well, well you know mike uh in, and john you know even when we had frank on a couple of weeks ago you know that was basically his his mantra when it came to uh how his company is run and and same thing sounds like with john you know you, you want to get the right people uh, to work with you and work for you. And that's, that's where it comes down to, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, you find folks that, that, you know, enjoy working for, uh, the company or a person and, and it shows with the product that they, you know, uh, and the services that they provide. So it's, it's just, you know, it's along those same lines and, you know, like, uh, same thing with, uh, the folks that we have here at Weatherworks and we're all dedicated to what we do. And, uh, you know, 
it's it's different you know and it's kind of like john's work probably too you know not one day is the same mike and you know that and you know we come in and sit down at the forecast it's completely different from you know last mm-hmm. year at this day you know our, our we don't know sometimes you know what our day entails it, it we have an idea what the day is going to entail but it changes it changes of course with the forecast and the weather itself and of course john's i'm sure uh, the same thing you know he has the people there to work with and he has a plan and a schedule for what's going to happen but you know things change and uh, you know we are our nine to five jobs sometimes turn into you know 2 a.m to 2 p.m and vice versa and it's just uh, it, it's just we go with the flow and that's kind of what what our uh, you know what, what what we do in our in our professions mm-hmm. um so i'm looking at um as far as um, this year in particular, I mean, John, you have a, a, a structure, um, a process, and a system, you know, to get your things done heading into winter time here. Now, um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that first, and then maybe how it's changed um, based on uh, the COVID situation. Um, or if it's changed, or if you're <clears throat> kind of staying the course, is there any adjustments being made? You know, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yes. I, you know, uh, I, I'm in some industry peer groups, and and uh, it's interesting because we we're kind of divided among you know among what we what we should do for this in some aspects the strategy of, of what we should do for the season coming up, and in in other aspects we're 100% of the same page. Um, one thing that we're 100% on the same page on is we, we, you know, we need to keep everybody as safe as we can, um, and this is for obvious reasons. We don't want people to get sick, and the other, the other side is clearly, if people get sick, it's going to affect us operationally. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, it, it, there's, there's any way to shake it. You, you know, we want to keep people safe. So we're looking at like how do we minimize cross utilization as much as possible. Um, you know, where can we, where can we? Um, you know, for instance, a salt depot, uh, you know, is there a salt depot that's used more regularly that we can staff a, a loader operator to, to sit at that salt depot so that our truck drivers aren't jumping out and filling their own trucks? Mm. Now, so in some cases, it's just not going to be, all, you know, it just won't make sense. It won't be sustainable. But wherever we can, we're trying to reduce the cross utilization. Um, we're obviously also looking at just cleaning in general and providing our, our people with, um, you know, whatever we can for whether it be wipes or disinfectants or whatnot um, to keep them safe. And then, and obviously just a constant communication of, you know, we know what's going on. We know what we need to do. Uh, Having both companies, both service lines where it's the landscape and the snow, we've had a good, uh, you know, period of time over the summer to practice some of these things. And that's been helpful because we're, we are, we are doing more, you know, we're, we're a much larger company when it comes to snow. So it's nice to have the smaller company, the landscape perspective to be able to kind of practice some of these things. And then from a, um, from just a, uh, a, you know, uh, fiducial responsibility, we're looking at, um, uh, you know, what clients that could be a risk, you know, like, uh, you know, do we have any gyms that we're working for? Do we have any hotels? Do we have, you know, what are the different um, industries um, the different different types of clients that we're servicing, what what's the risk level? And we're talking with a lot of them regularly now, even uh, when we went through the renewal <laughs> process, just just to discuss like you know how what's occupancy look like, what are the expectations, and um, and then I think you know not to sound canned because I think a lot of people are doing this, but um, being very proactive of having 
good conversations now of how we can help help the clients because um, I, I think I mentioned this when we had the um, we talked with you folks from uh, Weatherworks last. Um, my experience going through 2008 the financial crisis was that um, we did it by accident, but we you know we took care of our clients. We were um, we were uh, flexible with them in terms and everything else, and it paid off in spades. You know, um, you know, right. in, in many years after that. So I think we just need to look at that again, and and how can we how can we help each other out? You know, how can right. We and I think that's I think that's a a pretty big thing when you're running a business is that client is very important. You know, like anything you can do to you know help that client or, or anything that you can do to service that client better in a better way um i think is is kind of paramount you know to i'm trying to think where i want to go with this here but uh, you know what i mean i mean that client's very important and 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 if you could find ways that you can kind of both help each other out or or find ways to to provide a service at a higher level for them you know, it, that means everything uh, as far as trust level and, and, and that aspect. Absolutely. You know, just a simple thing where uh, if you've got a client that tendency is down, um, you know, not being stubborn and saying you have to still, you know, provide full service because of liability. We know that, you know, we, we know we have to protect ourselves and our clients from a liability standpoint. But, you know, do you need to haul snow off site? No, probably not. You know, can you find mm -hmm. a way that you can stack snow on site to save them a little money? There, mm -hmm. There's things, there's things there that we can do to um, that'll be in their best interest and and that'll make them uh, you know think down the line that we were we were looking out for their interest. It wasn't just about lining our pockets. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is definitely I, I like that concept a lot for sure. Um, so you mentioned that you. Um, you basically have the landscaping portion in the summer and then obviously the snow removal in the winter season. Um, so what are you doing in preparation for the winter during that off season? Um, what are the, what are the things you're looking at um, as you're heading into winter? I mean, now, um, you know, basically, yeah, just like I said there through the off season, you know, what's the, what's the things that you do to make sure you're ready? Sure. That's uh, no, a great question. It's, um, I mean, obviously from like a functionality standpoint, our equipment has to be, uh, we, we need to have confidence in the equipment. So we're, we run on a, um, a maintenance plan that starts in April and then runs right through about now where we're starting to deliver equipment. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all targeted and measured and, you know, planned out well in advance. So the equipment's all ready to go. Um, and then also we're looking at the training side of things. So we look at last year, the last couple seasons, and we think, you know, where, where are we going to gain the highest ROI on training? Because training has a cost. You know, we're, we're going to put a lot of money into pulling people in and asking them to do some, whether it be training videos or hands-on. So it, before we do that, we want to see, you know, where, where are we going to benefit from that, whether it be through efficiency or, or safety, you know? And that's how we prioritize where our training um, is going to go, uh, and and we'll we'll run start training sometime in early August and run that right through the uh, right through the season. Um, and then I would say uh, from a sales perspective and a um, 
you know, current client perspective, we have to focus on our renewals and and uh, target our, you know, what clients are we looking to pick up for this coming year and how, how much growth do we want to uh, achieve. And, um, and the renewals are always very important. We want to protect the, the um, clientele we already have, you know, the, the um, portfolio we already have. So we're, um, we're always um, check, more or less checking in with those, with those renewals that are outstanding and trying to get those closed up. And, and Sharon, I think communicating both with the, the prospective new clients and the renewal clients, uh, trying to communicate as much as we can how there is a benefit if they're, you know, signed up and and um, as early as possible. That's that's always our that's one of our key frustrations is is um, mm-hmm. the late sign-ons. You know, so. Yeah, um, no, I understand that with the late sign-ons and and all that, and that that could be. For- uh, an operational problem, of course, um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to get that new client up and running perfectly. Um, so, um, I mean, that sounds great. I mean, obviously, maintenance is a huge key um, through the uh, summer months and, and, and the training uh, heading into that, um, heading into the fall months and into winter. But yeah, well, I know. was going to ask one other question then, uh, John. Now, you know, with the COVID, of course, and the pandemic, you know, we were actually coming out of winter uh, when this thing, you know, really uh, hit hard. And you mentioned before about how, you know, this upcoming winter is, of course, going to be different. And, you know, we've got to keep everyone safe and healthy as much as we can. I mean, is there you have protocols now in place? Uh, because, again, like you said, you haven't really practiced this during I mean, I don't even know if we had any storms. We may have some nuisance stuff after, uh, you know, we were on lockdown and stuff that happened in late March and early April, but uh, probably not to the point where, you know, we're going to get into the healthy snowstorms and healthy ice storms and things like that. So, I mean, uh, what, what are the what are the steps you have already in place for this upcoming year? Yeah, so uh, we have, you know, fortunately, we we're able to practice a bit with the landscaping side. So right, okay. we made it like uh, more or less like a routine to, wipe down our um our high touch surfaces within the vehicles right. and um and then in the office too like we're today you know today still we've got some we you know um, almost all of our office staff actually pretty much all of our office staff is back now um but we're we're still you know only four to a conference room six feet apart um we're also mm-hmm. doing like uh wiping down the hard surfaces within the building uh twice a day once or twice a day um and that's being done you know uh, on a regular basis it just it's it's just part of our it's become part of our routine so to speak so now um the the gentlemen in operations are, are looking at you know what how can we further that with the um the skid steer loader fleet all that right. you know all that other equipment um a lot of it's going to really come down to i think good communication to those operators because sure. we're going to be relying on some of the operators to do some of this as well you know yeah, because your staff, I'm sure, multiplies as we get into the winter season versus the summer, correct? Uh, yeah, tremendously. So we're, you know, we're um, planned for somewhere between 450 to 500 um, staff for the winter. Wow. And we're, we're roughly um, 40 staff for the summer. So hmm. it's about a 10-time plus multiple. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's good info, uh, John. And uh, this is uh, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break though. And uh, we'll finish up here with uh, John Crandall of JC Grounds. And uh, and, uh, this is a a nice opportunity for us here at Weatherworks and during our podcast here to uh, 
to talk to John, and uh, he's been gracious enough to uh, to uh, give us his time here and uh, talk to us uh, about this upcoming winter and all of his uh, operations. So uh, again, we'll uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back here in the Weather Lounge after this. You're listening to The Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Weather Lounge. I am meteorologist Brad Miller, and uh, we continue our guest interview with John Crandall of JC Grounds, uh, located up near uh, the Boston area. And uh, he does, uh, of course, summertime landscaping work, and then he goes full throttle in the wintertime, snow removal and all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot, John, about the, of course, pandemic and operations side. Um, let's... Uh, Let's talk about uh, sleep deprivation and uh, let's talk about odd stories and uh, crazy snowstorms or any kind of winter storms you can remember because, you know, it's, uh, I, I mean, I've been through a lot. And I'm sure you've been through a lot. And, uh, you know, the blizzard of 96, of course, always comes to mind. But you got any other crazy stories or some uh, weird uh, snow removal stories or anything like that? Um yeah, uh, Brad. No, we we work uh, only eight hour shifts, and um, we all sleep really well. <laughs> yeah. And, and we nine to five, we go home. <laughs> <laughs> nine to five, um, no one drinks any kind of Red Bull or anything. And uh, <laughs> I really yeah, thought about that. Yeah, you know, I, I think when I when I wrap up my career at some point, you know, in the future, I'll have a um, you know, what do they call that? Like a book that reveals all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but no, it, it is funny, as you said, it had, it, I will say it has gotten better, like the, the, you know, the more structured we are and everything else mm -hmm. definitely has gotten better. But uh, that being said, I mean, sometimes there's just not much you can do. And, and yeah, I mean, you're, you're at the mercy of the weather, uh, as much, right. maybe probably more so than we are on our end, just forecasting it because you're out there dealing with it. Right, right. And that's, uh, I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, I'll share, I hope, I hope I don't, uh, I hope I don't call, I mean, that. Uh, cause the more calls into you guys but one of the things that we ask um you know and i always tell my operations people to ask um the, you know the staff over at weatherworks they'll say ask them when the first inch is going to occur sure. you know like when, give a ballpark on when they think the it's, first it's a very is. common question yeah and and the reason for that is we'll say we're mobilizing so many people and mm -hmm. we're also trying to it's not just for efficiency for cost it's also as you're talking sure. about like we want to make sure that we're we're giving those those people as much sleep as we can before they get started. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times the anxiety keeps them up and everything else because they're just excited about the event. Yeah. Um, we have had some some crazy stories. Uh, I definitely think you could have a reality TV show on, you know, on any <laughs> any snow company. Um, one, uh, you know, there's a, few, there's a bunch that come to mind, but there was one time I remember we had a really good operator out in um, uh, our service area and he, he knew the property pretty well and, and we have site maps just like everybody else but there was a old retention pond that had been um more or less like oh, it no. had been so thick you couldn't even see the pond because it was so thick right and he was pushing piles back because we had had it was one of those things where we had one event after the next after the next after the next and he literally called me and he said um you know i need i need someone to come help me out so what's what's the problem he goes well i'm stuck in the machine and i and i'm in the pond and obviously like wow. right, right away i was extremely concerned you know and um i was ready to hang up and call 911 but i 
I talked to him, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not submerged, but, um, but I'm in the pond. And he goes, I need to, yeah, I can't, I can't get out of the machine. So we told him how to get out of the back window and everything else. And, and mm. he did that. Um, and, and, it, and the machine didn't sink, but we had to have, we literally had three tow trucks because one truck had to, you know, it's it one of those storms, it was icy and everything else. And one truck had to back, had to pull, the tow truck started getting sucked into the pond too. And they had to have more than one truck pulling the thing out. Um, oh my God. But I mean, you know, it, if you're a sizable snow company, even if you're not, but if you're sizable, you know, we're covering like, I think this year we're covering about 500 acres of asphalt um with the you know 150 200 pieces of heavy equipment like you're you're gonna have some accidents and, and sure. as much as we train and everything else we've dealt with it all you know and, and it, it is there are some amazing stories and probably some i don't want to share but <laughs> <laughs> that's but you, okay but the, yeah at the end of the day i'll tell you one thing um what we do and we've always done is we're always um we're always sharing them with the client the next like if they didn't see it happen the next day we're telling them about it sure and mm. um, more often than not if we handle those accents well it actually makes the relationship stronger with the client so um that's one thing we'll, we're not going to like try to cover something up you know as, as much as it hurts to put your tail between your legs and tell them what happened but yeah there's some crazy things that happen at night <laughs> yeah no i mean <laughs> you know i, I like that uh, honesty though with the client i'm sure that goes a long way mm-hmm. with the relationships um but uh you know not quite going into a pond uh john but uh, i had a similar story where i was plowing a, a back parking lot and we were um trying to push the piles back further and unfortunately we were a small company we didn't have like big loaders and things like that so i'm just trying to use my f-350 truck with the salt spreader and i'm just trying to push that pile back off the parking lot as far as possible well i didn't know there was kind of like a lip on the end of the parking lot and i went to push it back and here i got the truck stuck and um I think actually, <clears throat> let me correct myself. I didn't have a salt spreader in the back. I had nothing in the back. So it was very light on mm-hmm. my rear wheels. And uh, I was, I could not get it out. So what I ended up doing, I didn't want to call my boss because I was getting afraid that, you know, he'd give me some hell for it. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting a stick from a tree off the woods. I put that on the gas pedal. And I pushed against the door, like I opened the door and I pushed against the truck, put the stick on the gas pedal to get the truck unstuck. It was probably a very dangerous thing to do. And I don't recommend anybody (laughs) to do that. Um, But that was one story I remember where, man, I I probably should have just called somebody and been safe about it than trying to get myself unstuck on my own. Oh, Mike, uh, by the way, there's a phone call for you. Uh... You yeah. said you uh, used to work for him a long time ago. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get a call later on today after this gets released. Um, yeah. Now there's, there, there's definitely things that, I, you know, I literally think about like the things that happen at night when people are plowing snow. Right. Uh, no one, no one knows about. And they, they come in the next morning and things are just, you know, everything's done and clean. And mm-hmm. uh, it, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a, a managed chaos to some extent. You know, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly chaos uh, at times, but I'm sure you have a nice way that you plan <clears throat> out everything when a big snowstorm's coming. Um, so, like, 
let's take me through that a little bit. Like, like what are the steps? Like I'm thinking not even before the snow even starts, before you're even getting onto the site with trucks and things, you know, where do you, where do you start? Like, do you develop some sort of uh, plan on how you're going to execute it? Do you find out areas to stockpile snow? If you're going to, how, how do you go about it? Yeah, I mean, and that's what we've learned over the years, right? Is like, how do you reduce that, the unknowns as much as possible? Because I've explained it to my, I have a lot of friends in other businesses and I've explained it to the vet, like one of my friends owns a large commercial painting company. And I said, you know, when you guys go in, you, you plan out when you're going to go paint the building and then you paint the building. And when the client sees the paint dry on the wall, they're either happier than not. Mm. Um, we're dealing with a live event that can happen at any point in time. And, and the difference with that isn't just the fact that there's so many variables, but it's also, um, it's also beyond that, you know, he's doing, he's scheduling out his crews to do these different properties at different times. And what I've said to them is I've said, you know, our difference is we have 95 clients uh, or this year would be just over hundred. We've got about a hundred clients that we service and, um, <clears throat> And we're servicing them all at the same time at a moment's notice in their time of the greatest need, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like I can say, oh, well, you know, this client's only a four acre parking lot and this one's a 10 acre. I need to take care of the 10 acre more. No, I got to service them all the same way. Um, so it just, you know, that's what I think is, I think, you know, I, I say we're closest to a fire station than anything else because it's really, it's mm -hmm. an emergency service, you know? Yeah, and I, probably, no. I probably didn't answer your original question, but I went off the tangent a little bit. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I, I understand that situation. I remember, you know, getting that call and you know from my boss and saying like, "Hey, look, you got to head out there. We're we're around an inch of snow. Uh, you know, we got to start plowing that uh, shopping center. You know, so I know how it is. It's like, oh, you know, get my boots, get my bag, get my coffee, and and run out the door." Right. So, that, so yeah, so get, now, now my, you just uh, got my memory back. So, so as far as the, um, uh, the original question, so what we, we've really looked over the years, like how do we, whatever we can control, that's, you know, because mm -hmm. it's so much uncontrollable, whatever we can control, we need to get, our, we need to get, you know, that's what we have to do really well at. So, so more or less, you know, we're looking, we're dealing with, um, with weather works, we're dealing with other weather so sources, but mainly weather works. And, and looking at like what's coming up, what's the likelihood, the percentage of likelihood, and then we're pushing them <clears> out <throat> to our, our clients and our teams so that we have the plan already in place. And one of the things you'll hear around our office right before an event is, are all the seats filled? And all we mean by that is like, are, is every position full, or do we have an alternative in every position that was, you know, we're missing somebody. So somebody was out sick or something, do we have someone to fill that seat? And they'll say we're 99% full, we're 85, we're 100, and, you know, we can actually be 110% full if we've got, you know, our, you know, if we have a large storm coming up, we usually have operators that are somewhat retired from the snow business, but they'll help us out in those big events. Uh, so gotcha. they'll tell you the percentage of seats full. Obviously, the goal is to always be at least 100%. Um, and once we know we're at, at capacity, it's then, you know, just constant communication up until the event actually hits. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good strategy as far as I can tell. I mean, being prepared for everything you can be prepared for. Um, you know, obviously the snowstorm is going to throw you um, curveballs at times with changeovers and and heavy bands of snow and things like that. 
Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that's a good uh, place to start. Now, um, I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about um, uh, de-icers and things like that now. Um, have you been utilizing more in the the way of like pre-treatments um, for parking lots? Um, have you found that more effective with the bonding on the pavement? Um, how, how do you work with the, the salt, with the de-icing and the pre-treatments and things like that? Yeah, um, no, we, we absolutely do. It depends on the weather. So if, if you folks say that, you know, we're going to start as rain and we it's unlikely we're going to pre-treat unless it's like a real light mist but um sure. but otherwise we we like to get that initial treatment down to to help reduce the bond get a clean scrape and also have you know have a um a documented service to you know right from the start of the storm so so um yeah we're pre-treating as as often as we can as often as it makes sense you know we don't want to do something that's again not in the better interest of the client yeah yeah, no, and yeah, I understand that fully. Um, you know, I know there's a few times I wish, you know, back when I was uh, plowing snow, um, that I had more pre-treatment um, going on um, because at, at that point, um, I mean, we're talking probably in the early 2000s, somewhere in there when I was working, um, we didn't do a whole lot of pre-treatment. And um, it certainly wasn't with salt brine. Um, yeah. A lot of times, like we started dabbling in it by, uh, you know, just taking my salt spreader out and just dumping the rock salt on the ground um, before the storm. And right. obviously, that's not the best way to go about it, <laughs> right, John? Right. Yeah. No. The uh, the the brine has been pretty. Um, has been pretty. Uh, it's been very useful for us in the last few years. We've really ad adapted to that. Uh, whenever, whenever again, when it makes sense to do it. Um, but obviously, you know, the other side of it is reducing chlorides going into the environment and the infrastructure too. So we're, that's why we're looking at some of those things. You know, it's not, it's, it's a balance all the time. You know, does it make financial sense for us and for the client? And is it, you know, is it going to create, is it going to be just as efficient or more efficient? And, be, and obviously is it, in, is it friendly, you know, environmentally friendly? And um, we found that the brine has really kind of hit all those, um, yeah. you know, right there. So it's, it's a good product. Yeah, and uh, I had a question too about um, if if I give you a situation with a snowstorm, like how you quite deal with it. So if you have like about how many inches are you dealing with, and then say you get like some freezing rain on top of it, because I hear a lot of guys that might let the snow sit, and then they mm -hmm. might you know plow off the the snow and the ice all together at once. Some clear the lot and then just treat the the ice that forms on the parking lot with you know the the icer or whatever. Um, so how do you how do you work with that? Yeah, we're we're uh, continually plowing. Um, I, I've heard those theories before. You know, you know we we're better off just like letting it accumulate and then we're it looks like we might have some rain mixing in at the back end and that's going to cause a crusty layer on top. So if we let it do that, then we plow it later. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll get a cleaner scrape and, and we'll, and we'll be more efficient too, you know? And, um, I've, I've found that, you know, that might happen, you know, it's probably a 50, 50 shot that that might work out that way, but mm -hmm. I know what's going to happen if I keep plowing. Um, and if I keep trying to scrape down on the lots, so even though it's going to probably cost more for us to, to mm -hmm. continue to plow, 
we're going to do that just because we know what the outcome is there. It's not a 50-50. And I've, start, I've seen that 50-50 go the wrong way and really, really get some guys in trouble where now they've got packed down ice that they can't get up. Yep. It's, you know, mm. They're putting down 10 tons of salt on a, on a three-acre lot to, to peel the, uh, the, you know, get that inch and a half, two inches of packed ice off the lot. So that's, I know exactly what, yeah, I mean, that's, that is always my fear because guys would, would ask me my advice about that and what to do about it. And, you know, that's my fear is that it gets into an inch and a half of concrete (laughs) that you can't get underneath with your blade. And not to mention you got an Arctic uh, front coming through afterwards uh, where it's not going to get above freezing for the next four days. Yeah, and then right. it's yeah almost impossible to get up. So that's why I'm a little bit leery, and you know when I when I when I hear some of those um, contractors saying that they're going to let it sit and then let the ice on top, but it's good to know that I, I see your strategy there. You know, you know what happens when you get that you know park, parking lot clear, and, and you know how to deal with it rather than that you know unknown uh, if right. you let it sit and try to clear. And plus. You know, it gets darn heavy uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you content, have all that yeah. ice on top of the snow yet. Yeah, and um, that's dense. Well, that's kind of the common theme that I've been sharing on this, you know, through this discussion is for us, it's just about eliminating as many unknowns as we can because there's so many unknowns in what we do. And yeah. um, and that's just another one, just eliminate the unknown. You know, even if it's going to be a little more, a little bit more difficult, I'd rather not take the risk. No, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right, all right, John. We got to put you on the spot here. One, one last question, and maybe I'll have one other follow-up one. Sure. Uh, the simple question, but it's a common question. Kind of sounds kind of silly, but of course it, it it varies from location location. Of course, along the East Coast, but you got any general ideas or like when the plow comes off? You'd be surprised, and maybe not, that we get a lot of questions in March. You know. <laughs> when can I take the plow off? Are we done with winter? You know, do you have any kind of just uh, ideas or at least, uh, you know, in previous winters or when you start scaling back? I mean, do you have any, any plans always, or just kind of just going by the pattern? Yeah, no, we, it's in our, so we have a operational calendar that, um, Mm -hmm. so we have all the, we call them dated initiatives. So it's all the things that reoccur every year. And every year we try to um, tweak that, you know, to make it more in alignment with what's actually occurring. And uh, this has been a common discussion because really where you hear it the most is the landscapers or, you know, the asphalt guys, whatever, that are trying to cross-utilize the equipment. The transition time, sure. Sure, yeah. And and they'll say, look, we got to go. We got to get this stuff out. And, you know, so again, as, as the companies grow and whatnot, you're able to have, you know, some efficiencies there that, don't make it as, I mean, I remember when we were only two trucks or one truck and we, mm-hmm. we needed that truck. We needed to start landscaping, you know? Um, but general rule of thumb for us is usually April, sometime between April 15th and May 1st, uh, after May 1st, like, you know, we're, we're good. You know, we're, we're usually in a good place, but April is always a wild card month. You don't know if you're going to have a, you know, an event that, uh, that pops up, even if it's just a salting, you know, or sure. de-icing rather. Well, especially where you live. I mean, winter can go on until, uh, you know, late April, even early May. <laughs> and that's where I would, you know, I'd say that, that going to look, looking historically at your calendar year over year over year, you know, I'd mark it every year and, and say this, you know, 
it, it hasn't, if it were, you know, this is how we do it, we'll say, all right, it hasn't been in the last five years or 10 years, we haven't seen anything occur after the 5th of April. Mm -hmm. So, and don't use that date, by the way, because I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> no, I, no um, we know. Everybody's writing that then, down right now. 5th yeah. of April, take off plow. <laughs> <laughs> but what I would, you know, in, just being conservative in that, in, in the thought process there, I would say, okay, if it's been the 5th, then we're not going to take anything off till the 10th, right? We'd push it out like probably another week or so. And that's how we typically, how, how we do it here with all of our dates like that. Yeah. And that's when I'm talking to contractors and things like that. If they're going to take it off, I mean, it's not my decision as a meteorologist whether or not, you know, they take off a plow. You know, I try to give them advice of what I think based on the weather. But uh, usually I try to say, you know, well, keep it at least handy or, or get, put it in a place where you can get to it easily. You know, that way, if you had to put it on again and we get another storm here at the end of the year, um, that you know you're not moving everything under the sun <laughs> just to get right. to a plow um, it's all it's all relative of how important those you know it doesn't matter if like i have x amount of push snow pushes and someone else has and it, it's just as serious either way right so like we so one of the things we'll do is you know we'll look at a service area and they'll start pulling back equipment because our the thing that takes us the longest to do is get set up for the storms Mm -hmm. So it, you know, it can take us days, you know, sometimes in, in really to be perfect, it can take weeks for us to get hundred percent set up across our whole service area. So we'll, when we're returning equipment back to the, to the hub, um, we're returning equipment that's closest to us. So that way, if we need to push it back out, we'll push that equipment. That's, it's a lot quicker for us to push the equipment out closest. Do you follow me? Yeah. So we're not no, going to pull back um, our further locations first. It wouldn't make sense. Right. So my thought is we talked about when to take them off, um, but plows, that is plows. Yep. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, but when is at what point do you get a forecast that is enough to say, OK, I need to get more equipment. I need to get more loaders. I need to call out some some subcontractors. Like, is there a certain threshold? Like, is it six inches? Is it a foot? Is, is, what What is it there? Yeah, I would say, so we don't, we don't have a big spike in that stuff. Like we set most of our sites up that they can handle. I shouldn't say most, pretty much every site up. So it can handle an event, whether it's, you know, four inches or 36 inches. Mm. Um, the bigger issue we have is the, the long duration, you know, and that's where we I have see. to start cycling people to sleep and everything else. In, at, you know, to your point, like we will need to call in our extra triaxles and large trucks to move snow if we've got back-to-back, -back, you know, multiple events that are big. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, that's that's where we're, we're usually looking at the long durations. Those are our those storms are the ones that we're always the most concerned about. Like how are we going to cycle people? Um, right, and so, I'm sure that has to do with you know, yeah, you just got to get some guys some rest. I mean, yep. you know, back back when I was in it with the smaller company i mean <laughs> i didn't really care too much about how long you were out there in the plow truck i mean 24 hours plus straight you know in the plow truck i know you know it was just brutal uh to try to do right. um but do you do you now have a a, a kind of target where you're like okay i don't want this guy in the truck more than 12 hours and before you give him some type of break yeah yeah um so 
I don't actually, I, I'm not going to speak intelligently on it because I don't have the documents in front of me, but uh, fortunately I've, I've had the privilege of, um, of uh, again, that, you know, I've met, mentioned a peer group I'm in, and one of the gentlemen in the peer group is uh, Jeff Tovar, who, who uh, you know, he's, he's got a very large snow and ice company. Mm-hmm. And in quite a few years back, I want to say it was over 10 for him, 10 or 15, he developed a rest plan and he was, you know, uh, nice enough to share that with us. And we, we took that and modified it to what we needed here. And now there's the, um, you know, everyone has different terminology, but our, our ops managers, you know, we have operations zone managers and area managers. Our zone managers will, will be responsible for getting that rest plan uh, put together for their operators and whatnot. And it's not typically till we have those longer duration events that that comes into play. Cause most of the operators, as you alluded to, are, are used to like the long hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, you know, obviously it gets unsafe after somebody's been in that vehicle. Long. So we we do our best, um, and a lot of the uh, a lot of them will actually push back on us and say, "I don't need it, I don't need it." And we'll be pushing back on them, saying, "You know, we need you to to just rest your eyes for at least a few hours, a couple hours, um, right. ideally longer, but whatever we can get them get them to uh, do that." Yeah, I mean, after you get past a certain amount of time, there's no amount of coffee that's going to uh, <laughs> allow you to stay awake. Um, but um, you know, I, I think. One last thing I, I wanted to to get out um, is like give me like your craziest storm. What was like one of the hardest thing, hardest storms to work over the yeah. past you know ten years? I mean, because we've all have our stories. I mean, you know, we we had the you know I don't think you guys were affected, but back in uh, 2016 there was a large blizzard dropped 30 inches of snow back in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. In 96, same sort of thing. We had a giant storm, you know, two, three feet of snow. Um, yeah. yeah, the, the so, gradients are the ones that drive us crazy, John. Yeah, when you're going one to three inches on the, you know, within a 50-mile uh, area, and then, uh, you know, on the eastern side, you're talking, you know, 20 to 30 inches. So, so the what? I mean, it's really easy for me. There's been some really cool storms and highlights. I, I find them, some of the big ones, like, real fun. Yeah. Um, the one that was the most challenging was uh, 2015. You know, Boston had 120 inches of snowfall in a matter of under six weeks. I think it was under four weeks. Yes, maybe. I remember um, it well, John. Let me tell you, <laughs> from so, a forecaster. So it was interesting there. Uh, beyond that, we all, I also had my twins uh, right now. You know, February oh, 18th was their birthday, so they 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 came. You know, they came during a small storm, and it was like a two-inch event in the middle of all those, like, you know, we had some 12 inch, some 30 inch, some 24 mm-hmm. inch all within that time period. And then there was like a two inch that it was the night that they were delivered. And, um, and I remember just being on adrenaline for six weeks straight. And at the time my company was quite a bit small. We didn't have the, um, the management team we have now, the operational management team we have now. So it was really me, um, my head of operations, um, uh, Brad and, and we we're the two of us are really doing the majority of that planning and everything else. Um, and every night we we're putting, you know, t- dozens and dozens of, of trucking uh, together too. So it was like we're following mm-hmm. during the day, trucking at night, and coordinating all that. Um, we had people where I'm not going to mention the name of the companies, but these are longtime clients where they started shoveling their roofs off, and literally they're you know they were sending hundreds of people on their roof. Well, we were plowing below, not not communicating with us, and 
dumping snow down below and it was some heat <laughs> oh, conversation. You know, I've, I've never, I'm one not to, I, I'm usually the calm in the storm and I've, I've never raised my voice to a client. Uh, I did on that event because they, <laughs> they're literally putting our operators at risk. <laughs> Sounds about right. Rightfully so. Jeez. Yeah. And, and fortunately we both shook hands at the end of it and we still have the client to date, but, um, but there was some real, you know, amazing things that came out of that. And, and for us, I'll plug, I can plug, can I plug somebody real quick or mention? Yeah, sure. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, I'll say the guys over at Snow Wolf, uh, we just luckily bought their, um, their snowblower that they had that year. And we had already had like an airport size snowblower. Okay. And between theirs and ours, we you know, that we had purchased from them, we were able to save a, you know, a ton of clients from a lot of headaches of, you know, um, the piling of snow and everything else so the following year well today you know now we have six of those blowers just in case it reoccurs but um what a great that was a crazy year and uh my my uh very 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 supporting wife i went <laughs> in we had the you know we had the girls and i was there the next day the whole day and i stayed overnight i was there the whole day in the hospital and the following day i called my ops manager who had been going for like three days straight they said you know do you, you need me back and he's like eh. I don't know. And I said, you know, he very rare he would say, I don't know. So I'm like, yeah, he needs me back. And my <laughs> wife just said, go, get to do it. So she was, uh, both, both of those people were very, uh, very supportive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, that was, I'll tell you what, that, that year was impressive. Uh, just with the amount of snow that fell. I mean, I remember in forecasting it and it was every storm, you know, even if it was five days out, well, we're looking at at least six to 12 out of this one, you know, and, and, <laughs> and there wasn't much kept... snow uh, before what, uh, through January, it was way below normal, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And the, uh, the thing that made it uh, the, the most interesting was, that's probably the best way to put it. It was so cold that none of it was melting in between events. Mm -mm. So it just kept stacking up and, and um, cause it was so cold, it was obviously bringing our per inch rates way up um, right. or per hour per inch, you know, precipitation yep. rates from a snowfall perspective. So yeah, very, very intense winter. Uh, as much as I love what I do, I don't, I prefer not to go through that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no that, that was a bit extreme. I, I would just like it over a longer period of time. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no problem. All, all in the, all in a six week period, uh, man. That's certainly a strain. I mean, from your end and, and from our end too, you know, it was, we didn't know if it was ever going to end. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what happens sometimes, you know, there's a lot of times um, where the weather pattern gets stuck. Um, and, you know, a lot of times they call it blocking where you have a, a real strong blocking pattern where you have storms one after the other, they're going to take a very similar track and um, you know, uh, you get into these funks where you're just going to have snow uh, for many weeks. It seems to happen at least at least once a year, Brad, I'd say, uh, where we get into a, a, a long run or, or a two or three week stretch that is just really super busy. Well, I'll, I'll tell um, you, it was a it was a close call in uh, last winter, 2019 to 2020. I mean, it was, um, you know, we we, we were thinking it was going to be a winter where we had a lot of blocking, but it just showed up a little too late and it ended up being a pretty cold. If you remember, end of the winter, we had some storms. 
a couple of, uh, you know, uh, close calls. Uh, but it went right into spring. I mean, I remember it was snowing uh, Mother's Day weekend. Um, but, you know, that was the pattern that kind of was supposed to be around December, January, February, as opposed to March, April into May. And, you know, if that pattern had set up for those earlier three months in the heart of winter, then it would have been a nasty winter. But, you know, it's just it's like you said, you get locked into a pattern. And it shows up a little too late, a little too early. You know, that's that's what happens. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes this upcoming winter. Well, one thing that's always interesting to me, guys, and I'm a, I'm a absolutely a very, very much so an amateur meteorologist, but, you know, just one thing that I see that it seems like it does happen is, you know, people joke about like Mother Nature equals itself out. And, you know, what I saw this spring, at least in Boston, we had such a rainy, rainy spring. And then it's been also a very, very dry summer. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I wonder how that's going to affect you know, the, the, um, the winter, and I know it's, it may have absolutely zero scientific, you know, backing behind that, but sure. it, it does seem to happen, you know, where you get like this really rainy or whatever, you know, precipitation's heavy in one season and this, the, the opposite season is not, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, John, I, I wish it were that easy. <laughs> if, if we could, if we had a pattern like that where it was dry and then we knew it was going to be wet, that'd be great. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's just so many variables um, sure. that go into seasonal forecasting. Um, you know, it, you know, you're looking at a global scale too. Um, so if one thing is off in, say, Alaska, that isn't supposed to be there, it throws off the entire, you know, wave train of systems across the northern hemisphere. Um, Hell, so, I mean, we, we have changes in the southern hemisphere that affect the northern hemisphere. I mean, all with the the southern oscillation index and things like that. I mean, it's all yeah, more than it, the tropics. It's, yeah, it's all related. Yeah, the the whole globe, and not necessarily always just the northern hemisphere, but it, it all mm-hmm. come ha- somehow it all it all translates uh, a, a certain way. Right. Yeah. So fortunately, um, from what we've seen as far as this winter. Um, what we've seen after coming off a, a rather slow winter in 2019-20, typically we see at least more of an average season following a very lean winter. You know, that's what the statistics generally show us. So um, so I think that's where we're going to be heading, you know, into the 2020-2021 season. Um, so, you know, that's as far as, uh, you know, what we can see. Um, at this uh, length of time and duration and forecast. Um, But, you know, John, I I think we about covered it here um, from, from all aspects. Uh, So I really, really appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast here and uh, being our guest. Hopefully you found it uh, enjoyable. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I want to honored to be asked and and, uh, it's always interesting to talk to you guys. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate the, the invite. Yeah. Well, again, we maybe we'll have you on again talking about another topic in the future. Yeah. We'll do another follow-up uh, after the winter and uh, after this horrible pandemic's over and we can get kind of back to normal here. I hope so. I hope you're right. Hope we're back to normal sooner than later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think everybody hopes that. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we are uh, the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks and uh, we'll have this bi-weekly podcast uh, for you going through the rest of the winter. So please tune back in. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google. 
We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically you name the podcast uh, platform and we're on it. So please we, look we, us we up. We could do an impromptu storm or impromptu uh, podcast. Never know, Mike. Yeah, we could. Storm. I mean, especially if you've got a big <laughs> storm uh, eyed up, uh, you know, we'll definitely get on and do a, a extra special pro- podcast for that. We'll talk big about storm. the Euro and the Canadian <laughs> and the UK Met, and we'll we'll compare all those models when we get into a, a storm situation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But for now, guys, again, we are the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks, and please come back and visit us again, and be sure to visit us too on social media. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, we're all there. Also, weatherworksinc.com. And if you want to drop us a line and you have a, a topic you'd like us to talk about, certainly give us an email at weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. So thanks for being with us and uh, tune back in soon.